Hey, this is Shamina. This is the Two Quick Things Podcast. With all the stuff that's been going on and the current uh, revolution we are all experiencing in one degree or another, and if you're not, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you haven't been paying any attention whatsoever. But with all this going on, I want to put a quick reminder out, reminder, because apparently it's necessary to say out loud that Black Lives Matter. Um, it's just so weird to be in a time where people who are black have to remind people, like it was a second nature for me to say a reminder that black lives matter. Like that doesn't mean we're thriving. That doesn't mean we are, uh, you know, successful by any means, but that we very simply matter. So that's been, that's been a bit of a mind, like what the hell moment that I've been having the last few days, but it also brought up memories of times where I felt like racism was looking me right in the face talking at me um and I was like I think it's I haven't shared I'm stumbling because I I, for some reason I feel nervous about this um for a few reasons which I think I'll get to in a little bit but so I am a member of a sorority it is not a black sorority not the divine nine it is a vast majority white sorority. Um, and there's so many things that went through my mind now about how I engaged in that experience and what led me to that. Uh, but that's, I, I don't even know if I have those thoughts fully formulated. So uh, just follow me here. And I was messaging back and forth with um, another woman that was in the organization the same time that I was. And we've been having, you know, some dialogue, around, and she's white, and we've been having some dialogue back and forth around um, anti-racist work and the work that she is doing uh, for her and her family and her family right now. And it's interesting the, the mind frame that uh, people have when they think that racism, racism isn't in their sphere or in their, their friend group. Um, and I say this mostly for um, white folks, maybe some non-black folks of color. But I remember very distinctly there being, I can't remember the the occasion, but I remember exactly who was there. I could give you their, their government name, perhaps a maiden name by this point, and who said it and who laughed when they said it. And I just remember that being a really pivotal experience for me. So the person who said it, it doesn't even matter what the context was, but they referred to little black children as niglets. So think piglet, but with an N, niglets. And I remember her saying it, and I remember clear as day the four people who were there who laughed when she said it. I was not laughing because it was not funny. And so I I didn't share this with a friend on uh, that I've been messaging back and forth with a little bit, but I I remember how ashamed I was to be a part of something that was so like you think like it's supposed to be a sisterhood, and it was such a painful experience that I had no words for it, and then I was ashamed to have invested my time, uh, resources, energy into something where people would laugh at something like that. And I remember that changed the way that I saw the organization 
and especially those people that were in it at that time not everyone because I certainly have many good experiences you know like sure yes I have white friends blah 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 but I remember that experience so clearly and it being a turning point of me thinking when I'm at the end of my college career there's not a reason for me to stay connected to this because if this is something that someone could say even an earshot of me then this is not something I want to be associated with you know after the fact and I'm not going to name call or anything like that but I think one of the reasons why why I felt and still still to some degree today feel ashamed of it is because I thought that the the collective of these women like were part of my sisterhood and yes there were a few other black women in the organization as well so I wasn't the only one um but I was ashamed because it, it's almost like I should have known better like why didn't I join a sorority where other the, the the women in the organization looked like me and I'm trying to give myself grace from you know forever many years ago almost 20 some odd years ago of that's just where I was that's I met people and I connected with people very specifically and on on an individual level. And it's really tough and hard to grapple with being in that space and not realizing and being so ashamed. Like, I don't have any memorabilia. I don't have any of the sweatshirts. I don't have any of the letters because that experience was super it it was just such a, a changing thing and I didn't know how to get out of it. So part of me is a little bit embarrassed. Um, you know, I was in my late teens, early twenties, but now I think I'm like, was I embarrassed? I was certainly feeling shame before I knew how to put to, the words together of shame of allowing myself to be in that space and to not feel strong enough to say anything. And now I think I am a, a wholly different person, thankfully that I have, I'm far more comfortable in my words and I will speak out on things that make me feel uncomfortable, even when my voice shakes like right now. Um, and it's hard. And I knew, I feel like I needed to get it off my chest at some point because I didn't want to keep carrying it around because anything, anytime anything related to race comes up, um, I think about this experience as part of like a defining experience in my, uh, college career, college education. and it really sucked. It really sucked. Um, and at the same time, I, I vacillate between that experience and then being also grateful for the women that I met that were like genuine. I didn't have to call into question who they were, um, then, and I don't have to call into question who they are now. Um, and I'm grateful for that experience. And at the same time, it hurt like hell. And uh, one of the reasons why I was pausing on sharing that is because I think there's a lot of people who will say like, well, you should have known better. You should have known that you couldn't trust white women. You should have known that there were these other organizations on your campus that you could have been a part of and you didn't. You chose not to be. And it feels, um, so if you're saying that, fuck you, this is my podcast, so if you're saying that, fuck you, kiss my ass, anywho. Um, and I, I don't have any words to say as to why I didn't. Um, and I wasn't sure how to fit in. Um, cause I've always been a bit of a nerd, 
um, quirky, loner, things that I now am super comfortable in, like in my like wanting to be by myself, doing things by myself, not having a large friend group. Um, and so I, I'm trying to think if I was trying to fill some sort of void when I was um, trying to find a space in higher education and have like an actual college life. And it just really sucks that that was my experience with that. Um, and I feel like I'm coming out of the closet with it. It's Pride Month. Uh, what is there to be proud of? Um, aside from the revolution and that people are actually, ugh, insert eye roll, starting to recognize that Black Lives Matter and the the amazingness that are Black women. Anywho, um, yeah. I think that's probably as much as I want to talk about that particular experience. I just remember that being so crucial. And like, clearly, I graduated college in 2002. And it is 2020. And I still remember that. And this happened within my first year of college. So this was 1997. And all these years later, I remember it clear as day. Clear as day. Um, like I said, I can see the, the 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 faces. I could tell you the names because I never forgot those experiences. So you, if you think like, oh, you know, these people that have seem to have lots of friends, or they don't talk about it, they don't seem like they've experienced racism like in their face, um, you are wrong. Uh, black folks have experienced this, whether they are conscious of it or not, um, whether they choose to share it or not, because some of those things they they burn you, they sear you to your core. And to be honest, like it gives, it makes me suspect like off jump of white women, period. Just from, from that experience, from that person saying that, that phrase or that set of sentences and the people around laughing, like it was funny. It has, it has shaped me in a way that I'm not even sure that I fully recognize it yet. So, um, I thought that was important to share because when people talk about like, trauma that you've experienced that sometimes are is uncovered or um you birth it out differently when you're in a different place in life or when other um environmental factors kind of force you to do some digging deep or some like you pull back into yourself to really examine like how do I feel about this those traumatic experiences traumatic big t traumatic little t they rear their heads and they they show up and sometimes you don't know what to do with it. I, I'm not even sure what to do with that. I I think, first of all, I have a sigh of relief because I have verbalized this for the first, maybe the second time publicly. I've told my wife before, but I've never shared that with anyone else because there, there's a shame attached to that. Um, a shame back then and even a little bit of shame right now that I'm I'm thinking through, but I'm not, I'm choosing not to continue to carry that with me. Um. So that's what I have for this week. And I also want to, I think that's a lie. I'd have a little bit more. I remember I was talking to uh, a friend not too long ago about, um, and I talked about it on this podcast, trying to find a black woman therapist that is covered by my insurance and kind of going into um, any conversation around that armored up with like um, the the words that they tell you, um, either friends that have a black therapist that have managed to be able to use their insurance to either get reimbursed or have a referral so that you're only paying a copay. Um, 
there's all these words or these sentences or phrases that you're supposed to use when you talk to like the clinical supervisor. Because usually what happens, because this happened to me before, you call and they, you, know, you say what you need, what you're looking for. Oh, we don't have it. Okay, well, can I get a referral out to be able to use my copay to find a black therapist? And they're like, well, you have to talk to the clinical supervisor and get a referral from there. Okay, blah, 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 whatever. And then um, sometimes it's even hard to do that because you feel like you're fighting for something that should be a basic. Like, I am insured access to health care, health care, the whole big thing that means mental health care as well, should be a part of that. And I should be able to find a provider that is culturally competent, who looks like me, who I hope that I'm not going to have to like start from the bare bones scratch of explaining what it, it what it feels like to be um, a black person that lives um, in this country at this time or that is on earth. Let's go, go ahead and say that. Um, and I was talking to a friend of mine who's like, yeah, I have a therapist. And I'm like, Oh, how did you find one? Like, oh, they looked basically looking on psychology today to be like, oh, I'm going to pick this one. Not realizing when you use those filters on any of those sites that you like psychology today is where you can usually see somebody's picture and what they specialize in. But there's other avenues, you know, other conglomerates of uh, therapists that get together and they have a group or whatever. Um, when you dwindle that down and you you use the filters, it's a needle in a haystack. I've mentioned this before. So if you haven't listened to that episode go back and listen you don't have to it doesn't really matter um but when I tell you I so I called my insurance company recently because I was like this is getting out of hand I'm I just need some some more tools to manage and cope and let's call and see if they have a black woman let's you know I do it every few months call and see if they've got one so I called they have one and she's new and when I tell you after I um, got off the phone with the person who did the like initial intake. I wept. I cried like a small child because I never thought that this was going to happen. Because for all intents and purposes, I like my insurance, like the whole of it with exception to this piece. Um, I wept because it was such a I was I was armed up and ready to go in fighting with my like phrases around cultural competency and deficiency and da 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 and ready ready to argue. I literally have notes in my phone that has a, that stuff there. So I was like there's no reason why I should have to pay out of pocket for a service that this healthcare provider should be providing in a way that meets the needs of the people it insures. They don't only insure white people. So why is majority of your therapists white? do better. There's out there's people out there. I can guarantee you there's black folks out there, black women who want to work for some of these places. Some don't because, you know, you can only deal with so many microaggressions at a time, but do better healthcare providers and providing referrals so that people can get culturally a, a culturally competent therapist so that we can work through our shit or work on our shit. Um so yeah, it's it's just it's those like things that you're like I wish I could find it that easily. It's like trying to be in like any like medium sized town, small town, and trying to find somebody black to do your hair. Sis, I'm not going to supercuts. That's not gonna work. And don't tell me you do ethnic hair. Because that's the first thing I notice a mistake when you say ethnic. Girl, if you don't get out of here with that. All right, so that was the end of that. Um uh thank you for listening. Thank you for being here, part of this journey of like getting the stuff off of my chest. I very much appreciate it. 
while I hope this resonated with you, I'm sorry if it really does resonate with you because that means you've also had your own level of difficult slash tough experiences to go through. And so for that, I, I pray for you. I pray with you. And I hope that you are able to find avenues and spaces to release this, this, all of this that you're probably holding up, holding against you right now and holding inside and clenched jaw, you know, shoulders up. Uh, but I appreciate those who listen. If you slide in my DMs, um, I respond back. So thank you for that. I very much appreciate it. And uh, you all take care out there. Uh, COVID is still real. So please wear your mask if you have one. Um, and take care. All right. Bye, guys.